Let's kind of calm our hearts, ready ourselves uh, to hear God's word. Lord, we give you uh, these next few moments. They're for you, Father. They're for you to do work in our heart, to, you know, to, to follow up on that promise that you have made, that your word will not return to you void. God, that if we allow it to be planted into our heart, that, God, something special can happen. And I, I just take these, these thoughts that you have placed on in, in my mind and as I've studied your word, and I pray that you will not bless my words, Lord, but make sure that I follow your leading here. And I just thank you in advance what you're going to do. In thy name we pray. Amen. I want to paint a visual for you, if I can, to start the service. A visual of how many Christians kind of view their relationship with God. I believe a lot of Christians, and, and I've mentioned this before, picture that somehow God is this faucet, and we're a cup. And, you know, God just, you know, turns the faucet on or turns the faucet off in, in his working and his moving in his life. But the reality of it is God's not a faucet and we're not a cup. God is a waterfall, constantly pouring, constantly putting out upon us. And you say, well, sometimes I don't feel like he's pouring into me. Well, that's probably because we've taken our cup and we've placed it sideways. And we're not listening to God. We're, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. And the, the reality is that God's love his mercy, his forgiveness is always running. But sometimes we're not in a place that we're receiving it. Do you believe, do you believe that God wants to continually pour himself out into your life today? Whether you're going through tough times right now, and that seems to be the time, you know, that we, we really seem to draw closer to God, and God is there for us during the hard times, and that is so true. But not just during the trials, but during the blessings. Do you believe that God is there? He is still pouring his life into you, his love, his mercy, his grace, his perseverance, his directions. Even in the everyday life, the mundane. I mean, I, it kind of hit me the other day. I feel like we're kind of in these dog days of summer, you know, and they're right dead in the middle of summer, and it's like, oh, you know, and it, it, it's, it's the heat, and we're tired, and we've God still there. God's still working. He's still pouring himself out. You know, I think often we as Christians, we try to dispel the image that the world has, that God is sitting up there in heaven waiting for us to slip up. So that he can, you know, strike us down or, you know, bop us on the head. And, you know, though we try to dispel that image, I don't think we go far enough. Not only is God not wanting to slam us, but it is God's desire to fill us. It is God's desire to multiply our joy, to multiply our purpose, to multiply our perseverance. God wants to take what we commit unto him and fill it to overflowing. Do we believe that as Christians today? Do you believe that God wants to make your home 
one of godliness, one of love, one of commitment? Do you believe that God wants to use you to bring another person to Christ, to introduce them to the Savior, to change your life forever? Do you believe that God wants to use this church, this church family, to continue to reach people and to send out missionaries and to support missionaries and be part of building the kingdom? Well, with that, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 8. And if you go ahead and turn there, if you're not there already, we're going to be in verses 1 through 13 of Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to invite you to stand together with us as we read God's word. Then we're going to kind of put this all together for us. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, he had just preached the Sermon on the Mount. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priest, and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that, that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go. It shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. And you may be seated. Now we've been going through the life of Christ. And last week we said we're going to kind of get into the heart of his ministry. And through that we're going to see a lot of miracles being performed. And last week we kind of took an overview of the purpose of miracles. And now as we go forward... We're going to kind of look at the, these miracles individually and, and the lessons that they teach us. Um, but last week, you remember, um, as we talked about miracles, one of the things that we said is a miracle is just that. A miracle is a miracle. It's not an ordinary. It's not an everyday. And I know we have a tendency to, to read the Gospels or, you know, read in the Old Testament. It seems every chapter... You know, there's a miracle, there's a healing, and someone's regaining their sight or, you know, paralyzed or, or standing and walking. And, and it makes it sound like that's the pattern for the Christian life, that, you know, that that's how God wants to interact with us. But the truth is, miracles are miracles. You know, they're, they're not ordinaries. 
And God always has a purpose. He always has a, a reason for what he does. They're not random. Sometimes it's obvious what his purpose is. Um, you know, today even reading, you know, his interaction of healing a, a Gentile, we're going to see because he's going to make a prophecy towards the end there in verses 12, uh, 11 and 12, you know, concerning that the Gentiles will ultimately come into his kingdom. Sometimes it's not so obvious, you know, why God is doing something or not doing, but God always has a purpose. It's never random. So there are many ways that we could go about looking at miracles, and particularly these two miracles this morning. We could emphasize the lordship of Christ, that he is our creator. He has made us and his ability to, to intervene. We could talk about his power of healing. We could talk about you know, how he is reaching out. You know, he's on the hillside preaching. He's you know, the, the ministry to the towns and you know, not necessarily into the, the center of the hub in Jerusalem. But I don't, I don't want to focus on any of those. I want to draw attention to these two men. And I want to talk about their belief. I want to talk a little bit about their faith that they had in the Savior, in Jesus Christ. So man number one, in verse one, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him. So this large crowd, these large crowds are following Christ. They've, they've heard him preach. They've seen his ministry. Undoubtedly, this leper was part of the crowd. We're not told exactly how long he had you know, been following after Jesus in the crowd. But he listened. And he watched. And finally he formed an opinion of who Christ was. And how much Jesus cared for his followers. And so this leper gets up the courage. He kneels before Christ and he says in the second part of verse 2. And he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And the result of that very simple act, that very simple act of faith, says Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, if you mark in your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline those three words I am willing. I am willing. If you have a King James, it's those two words. I will. I mean, and, and even if this wasn't in God's will, the faith of the leper to say, Lord, if you're willing, I know you can do this. If this is in your will. I mean, the faith in his power, Jesus could have just said, yes, I can do it, but this isn't in my plan, isn't it? And, and the leper still recognized that. He had put his faith, his trust, his understanding in God. You know, even if it wasn't in God's will, it's the faith of the man that is so important here that I want to highlight. Kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember they were, you know, when they're about to be thrown into the fiery furnace and the king is giving them another chance and he said, do you know who I am and what I can do to you? And, 
you know, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, paraphrasing it basically says, yeah, I know what you can do, and our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, he's still God upon the throne, and we will not bow down to you. And, and that's kind of the faith that the leper comes with here. Now, the second man, down in verse 5, it says, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, shouldn't that have just stopped the whole conversation right there? I mean, at that point, if I'm the centurion, I'm saying, great, let's go. Let's go to heal him. But here's where this, this man's faith comes in. The centurion said to him, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now this centurion, it would have been kind of like a captain, you know, in, in, in our army, you know, he's in charge of many men who are under him. You know, he probably was part, I would guess, of the policing force of the Romans that would have been there whenever large crowds formed. And it seemed everywhere Jesus was going at this point, you know, large crowds are forming, you know, in the tens of thousands. And so they always had a presence there. And my guess is this centurion had been part of it. And he'd heard Jesus. Once again, he saw the ministry. He saw who Jesus Christ was. This man heard, he saw, and he believed. And he said to Christ, he said, he said I'm not worthy. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. So the result of that, that step of faith that this man had in Jesus was down in verse 13. Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you, just as you have believed. And the servant was healed. His servant was healed at that very moment. Now focus on those words, what Jesus said. He said, It will be done for you, just as you believed it would. You say, well, how did he believe that it, that it would be done? Well, he explains that in verse 9. He says, I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. And you say, well, what does that, that mean to us? Well, just think about this. This centurion, he says, I'm a man of authority, and he is a man of power. And so he has these soldiers under him, and he tells us, I want you to go over here, and I want you to guard this place. He doesn't have to go over and check on that man to make sure his order was followed. He has such authority that he knows when he says go, just like that it happens. He says come, it's going to happen. And he was saying in that same way, he says, I know that you just have to speak the word. I don't even have to go and check. That I have the faith that you just speak the word, Jesus, and it will be done. My servant will be healed. That's faith. You know, Jesus said, man, I haven't seen that kind of faith. You know, not amongst my own people. That's why I want to focus on the faith of, of, of these two men. You know, these two men demonstrated how we 
need to come to God, how we need to interact with Christ. You know, sometimes we, we don't know. We just, you know, it's, it, we know we're supposed to do devotions. We do Bible reading. We come to church. We serve. You know, we, we go through these things that, you know, very traditional. But there's a way that we go about these things that is so important. There's a faith that is important. So I want, I want to highlight real quickly three things that I get from these two healings here. Three things. One, number one, God moves when we step out, of, out on faith. God moves when we step out on faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now we're going to keep that verse up for just a little bit here. This tells us a lot. This is exactly what these men did. They came to God. They believed God that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's not that God is always going to reward them, but they believe that God is the one, that God can, and God will if he wills, in his desire. That is the faith that we need to interact with God with. These men believe that God not only could answer their need, but that God wanted to answer their need. They believe that God wanted to change their circumstances for the best, for the leper to be healed, for the servant, you know, to, to have the par paralysis removed. They came to Christ asking for his help. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. That's the first thing I want to highlight. Second thing, Christ wants to touch all who come to him in faith. Now, I took these two miracles together because I think Matthew purposely recorded these two healings side by side because they kind of show us the range of who Christ wants to touch. One was a Jew, you know, you know of, of Christ's lineage, you know, of, Christ's family, an Israelite, you know, a descendant of Abraham, so he could freely come. The other was a Gentile. And he made it very clear, the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come. You know, I'm not worthy. And he saw it. So, you know, two opposite spectrums here. One was a lowly leper, you know, poor, outcast. The other, a highly respected man. One came with his own need. Lord, heal me. The other came with the need of someone else. Lord, heal my servant. See, it matters not who we are. And sometimes we get the idea that, you know, Christ is, you know, is just the God of the poor. You know, they need him. He's only there when we need him. No, he is Lord of all. He is Lord of the rich. He is Lord of, of any group. It doesn't matter who you are. He doesn't want to reach one group over another. Every man, woman, and child in this room is equally important to God. Every single Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church is, is important to God. It matters to God. Number three, third thing. Christ touches those who ask. Christ touches those who ask. And I think that's important. Both of these men came to Jesus. 
They turned to Jesus. They pursued Jesus. And I think if you just look through the times, you know, that Christ is, we're going to find this pattern throughout his miracles that he has done, that overwhelmingly the people came to Christ. Very rarely were they just minding their own business over here and, and, and he kind of pursues them. Again, God can do that in his purpose and in his will, but overwhelmingly, these men pursued. And those who, whom God you know, touched, that we're going to see in the miracles, it seems, are those who pursued him. And what did they have in common? Not only did they, they believed, but they asked. They didn't just believe, oh, I believe in God, but they asked. They took their situations to God. They didn't just believe Christ could, but they believed that God honestly cared about them and that he would do something for them. I mean, remember, remember in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, we'll put that on the board. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Doesn't that sound a lot like initiation on our part? That not only do we have not have, you know, we need to have faith and I believe in God and I believe God can do this, but ultimately we need to go to God. We need to pursue him, to ask, to seek, to knock. I mean, Christ isn't roaming around randomly blessing people, you know, this one and not that one, and randomly blessing churches, this one and not that one. God moves as men and women come to Christ in faith believing, asking him to move in their lives, asking them to move in their churches as only he can, and to do it according to his will. If you are willing, Lord, you can do this. If you are willing. And this goes for your individual life as well as it goes for the life of the church. Now, I want to use this as an opportunity um, as we close here to talk about the latter of these two. I want to talk about our church for just a little bit. It is hard not to notice what God is doing in our children's ministry here. And I am so excited to see what God is going to do over the next 10 years. And when these kids are coming up, and I talk about these are the future of the church, and, and I think about these kids growing up together, you know, becoming friends and having Christian friends and support and what it's going to mean to the, in junior high and in high school. I am so excited for them. The discipleship, the outreach that God can do to them. And the thing is, we need more workers. We need more teachers. We need more helpers. So we need to not just say we need these things. We need to be praying. We need to be asking. And we need to believe. God isn't, you know, giving us this great opportunity before us and not wanting to fulfill that need. We need to believe that God not only can do this, but God can take care of the needs. He wants to do it. That I am willing, he would say. We'll do our part. We'll organize. We'll have things like teacher's training. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll set up the, the, the structure for it as God leads. And remember in Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, we'll put this up for you. It says, Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. This is what I want you to pray. 
we're going to do our part. Can you pray believing that God is going to raise up a harvest of workers that is going to help with these children? Just the right ones, you know, that, that, to teach them, to lead them, to inspire them in Christ. Not just ask, but believe. There's other things that we should be going to God for. Uh, the church's necessity budget, it's, it's hard not to look at the bulletin every week and saying, wow, there, there is uncertainty and there, everything that surrounds us. Inflation is going on. The stock market is up and down and more down. And the interest rates are going up. And just as in your own life, it's reflected in the life of the church. I'm asking you to pray in faith. God, if you are willing... We know you can take care of this if you're willing. God, you know, this is no something. We're not going to panic. We're not going to, you know, wring our hands. But God, if you are willing, you will take care of this. For the fall ministries that we're beginning to plan out, for the general board meetings that's coming up, the ABFs, the, the prayer meetings, missions, Bible studies, all those things, you know, to come together, to work together, not just to be activity to be part of, you know, building God's kingdom. And, and just to be praying, God, you can use these. You can do something powerful in these things. Will you pray for the church? Pray for the church family? You know, I know we pray for one another, but pray for our church. You know, God can do and is continuing to do great things through us. And there are many other requests personal, as a group, but the question will always remain as we ever come to God, do we believe the three words that Christ gave the leper? That I am willing. Do you believe that God is willing? That God still wants to use us? That God wants to use you in his ministry today? Do you believe that when you share Christ with someone that he is willing to save. He is willing to save that person. He is willing to forgive their sins. That if you invite people or promote the ministries of the church, that God is willing to use that to you know, get the people in, into the church and, and to hear the gospel, or if they're already Christians, to be grown in their faith. Do you believe he's willing to do that? As we turn more and more of our lives over to Christ, that he is willing to bless it as no one else can. And even today, if some here, if you're thinking or if you're listening live to this, and maybe you're not sure where your relationship is with Christ, you're not really sure you're a child of his, do you believe that he is willing to save you, to forgive your sins and to make you a child of God? God's answer to all of those things is, I am willing. He wants us to ask. He wants us to seek. And he wants us to knock. And I'm just calling us together as a church that we can do this. Not just a few people, not just those who meet on prayer meeting, but every single one of us to be praying for our church family. Let's do that right now. Father God, I so thank you that you are still willing, that you are God Almighty, 
that, Father, that we are in your hand, we are in the hollow of your hand. And you care for us and you love us. You have blessed us so mightily, Father. We see all around us, you know, seeds of your working. But, Father, we don't ever want to settle. And it would be very easy for us to, to, to rest, very easy for us to, you know, grow weary and well-doing. God, you are still the God who is working and moving. And Lord, we're excited to be part of what you're going to do. I pray that you will energize us. Give us that zeal, that passion for you. And Lord, as you move in our hearts, that if it's you, us that you're, you know, using to fulfill this, Lord, that we would respond. But Father, just first and foremost, that we would come to you come to you in faith to do what we could not humanly do, Lord. Thank you, Father. In thy son's name we pray. Amen.